there, Bulldogs. Welcome to Career Chat. This is Kylie, your host, an alumnus of DeSales University and a former career ambassador. I'm so excited to be hosting this podcast to help provide you with valuable information relating to career development. Prepare to hear from some amazing people as we help you explore your interests, develop your skills, and implement a plan for a fruitful career in the future. With that being said, let's get started with this week's episode. So welcome to the podcast, Christy. Thank you so much for uh, Zooming in with me on this lovely Friday the 13th. (laughs) Yes, well, thanks, Kylie. I appreciate you having me and um, I'm excited to be here. Happy Friday. Yeah, oh my goodness. Thank goodness it's Friday. It's been a hot week too. Um, So first, for anyone that's listening, I would love for you to tell me a little bit about yourself, you know, where you came from and also... I was told that you're the person to go to to ask about interviewing. <laughs> so um, why don't you tell me a little bit about um, your experiences and, you know, why, honestly, why you're so good at it? Because I feel like you have a lot to say about interviewing. So I'd love to hear where that, that all comes from. Yeah, well, thank you. That's that's very flattering. Um, so my name is Christy Valderas. Um, I am a graduate of Muhlenberg College. And after Muhlenberg, I got my master's degree in sport management uh, with the intent of working in college athletics, which I did at Lehigh for a number of years in their athletic facilities and events department. Loved my job there. Uh, I got paid to be outside and be in a golf cart. <laughs> and watch sports, uh, but it was an entry-level uh, job. So a friend of mine from a previous job in grad school called me up one day and said, you know, I, I really think that there could be a position at this company that I'm working for. We manufacture football helmets. Um, it's a sales position, and I think it might be a good good fit for you this point in your career. And uh, funny story, you know, we we're talking about interviewing. In my interview for that position, um, the gentleman asked me that I was interviewing with, he said, you know, what motivates you? And, and I referenced something that I was doing at Lehigh at the time. And he said, okay, so you're motivated by, you know, the fact that you want to do well and, you know, that's, that's, uh, and make sure that you're living up to expectations. And well, sure. Yeah, of course. Who isn't? And he, he looks at me and he crosses his arms and he says, any good salesperson will say money. And I said, well, I don't think I'm your person. Then I said, I like money. I would like to have some more of it, but it's not the primary motivator. And I can remember saying to my friend afterwards, oh my goodness, I think I said the wrong thing. I don't think I said what he wanted to hear. And she said, no, you appreciate your honesty. And a couple months later, he called me up and hired me for another position um, wow. where I was a sales coordinator And so it was better that I was honest because it was a much better fit for me. I ended up being promoted to business development manager and I started traveling around the country and uh, going to different sporting goods, um, not only trade shows, but sporting goods stores, uh, small mom and pop shops to bigger companies that I would present in front of a couple hundred sales reps. And that was a great experience. And then from there, I was able to be promoted to national sales manager for the refurbishment division. 
from that point, I went to a Fortune uh, Top 40 company where I ran a sales program um, with up to 24 sales reps working for me on two different teams selling different products. And the majority of my, my time there, my focus was coaching and developing these sales reps to be better salespeople okay. um, through a consultative approach. Okay. And I love the coaching development. And uh, in December of 2019, my position was eliminated. So I found myself for the first time in my career in transition. And I thought, okay, well, what, what do I really like to do? Like, this is a moment where I can really reinvent myself and I can decide what my passions are and what I'm good at professionally and bring them together. Mm-hmm. And I sat down and I thought, you know, I like the coaching development piece. I don't want to hit those sales numbers all the time. Yeah. I love my time at higher ed. Um, and so my, my two choices were working in career development or working in learning and development at, at a corporation. So a friend of mine had been in career development at Muhlenberg. I called her up and said, what do you think? And she uh, told me, you have to talk to Kristen and Mel over at the sales. <laughs> they are just wonderful people. And so we had what you would call an informational interview at, at the mm-hmm. diner in Coopersburg. And uh, from there, a, a wonderful relationship and friendship has bloomed. Uh, and so I've been volunteering for just over a year and a half at this point uh, with the Sales Career Development Center. Um, I was part of the Senior Success Series. Um, I helped do mock interviews uh, with uh, PT students last summer. I've done some mm-hmm. resume reviews, cover letter reviews. Um, and then in my transition, I did land at uh, another Fortune top, uh, very high Fortune 500 company um, in learning development in their e-commerce division. So I'm really excited for that position that I've been at for just over four months now. Mm-hmm. Uh, learning a new industry is great and really focusing on that training and development piece uh, yeah. makes, makes me happy every time I walk in there. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, you asked me why I'm, I'm qualified to talk about interviewing. Well, I've probably been interviewed probably at least 50 to 100 times. It seems wow. like that. You know, <laughs> by the time you, know, you, you consider the longevity of about a 20-year career mm-hmm. and looking for a new job, uh, looking... F- Maybe it's not a hundred times, probably only 50, Uh, but because I am okay at it, right? And and you just think, oh, if I can only get to the interview, I should do okay. I should be able to sell myself. But I've also given, um, I've also been on the other end where I'm the one asking questions and that I've probably done several hundred times in my life. And it's always a different experience. You get to know some really wonderful people, even if you don't end up hiring them, especially if somebody's trying to be promoted from within and interviewing with you or trying to make a lateral move. It's mm-hmm. always great to get to know other people in, in your in your corporations. Absolutely. And I think too, you know, you only get better with interviewing as you do it. Um, it's not really something, I mean, like, you can sit in your room and like rehearse questions, but honestly, it's not like the best way to do it. But it's one of those things where the only way you really improve is by practicing it. And so I'm sure we'll talk about this later, but um, the best way to sort of get your feet wet really is to go to those interviews. Um, As scary as that is, as long as you have like an open mind about the position. Right. I absolutely agree. 
don't ever turn down an opportunity as long as you are genuinely interested. You don't want to waste anybody's time. Um, and just because you're looking for practice, you can practice with a friend. You can practice in front of a mirror. You can practice with your dog. Mm-hmm. Who cares who you're practicing with? You can practice by verbally or um, or write things out how you want to tell your stories. But don't don't waste somebody's time. But if you are genuinely interested, don't turn down an opportunity. That's absolutely correct because you're only going to get better with repetition. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that I'd love to talk about first is sort of um, the differences between uh, virtual interviews and in-person interviews. So I feel like we're at this really strange time. We're still in the midst of a pandemic. Um, Half of my medical school interviews will probably be in person and the other half will be virtually. And I feel like preparation, sort of the thought process behind both is very, very different. Um, so I'd love to hear your thoughts on sort of how how students can prepare a little bit for virtual versus in-person. Yeah, that's a great question. And I feel like the virtual interview has taken the place of that phone interview that a lot of people who are at my point in their career um, 15, 20 years into it, I had phone interviews initially as that kind of first screening, hey, do I actually want to bring this person into the office? Whereas I think Zoom interviews have taken their place, but they've also taken the place of standard interviews of showing up in a suit and tie or mm-hmm. you know a business suit to, to a company. So I think when it comes to virtual, you have to remember some of the basics. And, you know, that would be, you know, what is your background? What is your lighting like? You know, what is your camera like? Are, you know, are you speaking clearly? Are you looking at the camera? Because on Zoom, it's a little bit funny uh, to Mm -hmm. look at the camera versus looking at somebody else. And it's really hard because you can't read the room. But the other, but the plus side of it is you don't have to, you can, you can work sweats if you want. Um, I wouldn't recommend that. I would recommend dressing as you would mm-hmm. and feeling professional. Uh, but the plus side of um, virtual interviews is maybe you're interviewing for a job that could be virtual and they want to see what you're like um, talking to people um, through Zoom or through Skype, whatever it is. Um, and that's your opportunity to show them that you have that skill. It's just showing you have yet another skill when it comes to communication, because you might even be in these times of COVID on Zoom with somebody who's two doors down from you in a different office. Yeah. And so you want to be able to show that you have that skill to, to be articulate on the computer, to be professional. Um, but I, I still think that nothing compares to an in-person interview. You yeah. can get a much better feel for the company um, and the culture that way. I can recall one time I walked into an interview that I was really excited about the position. And as soon as I walked in there, you can just sense like everybody's life was sucked out of them. They all sat at cubicles. Nobody smiled. And I thought, wow, "Wow, I don't really think I want to work here. I would never have known that if I had done the the interview via Zoom, Uh, because remember in interviews, you're interviewing them as much as you um, they are you, and you need to make sure that you fit in with the culture. Mm-hmm. And I could tell at that place, I was like, mm, I don't really think this is for me. And I didn't take the job. 
And years later, I met somebody who had worked for them. And she said, oh, yeah, that office was terrible to go to. Mm -hmm. Everybody was like a walking zombie. And I was like, "Okay, my gut was right. But you're not going to have that when you go when you when you don't go in person to the interview. Do you think that that clarifies? um, Yeah. I think so. And I think the only thing that I would add is um, when you interview online, it's very different to sort of be yourself, but be yourself in like this little like six inch square. Um, I've definitely struggled with it, um, but I've learned, you know, what to do, what not to do. But it's definitely one of those things where some people are the most personal people you'll ever meet in your entire life. And then due to COVID, due to being in Zoom, they get in this tiny square and they're just not comfortable <laughs> at all, um, which I completely understand. Um, so I think also it's it's a comfortability level. I know uh, for classes, a lot of people tend to turn their cameras off and not really talk to the professors because it's on Zoom. Why would you? Um, but I personally thought it was a great um, practice to sort of be able to converse via camera in a very like low key setting to begin with, because when I did have to interview, I I did um, a pre-health interview with a bunch of professors at DeSales and it was all virtual and there was like six people in the Zoom call and I was like, thank goodness I like know how to talk to people on Zoom and I've been interviewing people for the podcast on Zoom because if not, I'd have literally no idea how to converse via zoom and show my personality because I think that's the hardest part is in person is so wonderful because you can show who you are in a much more genuine way so trying to get that across the screen can definitely be difficult at first yeah absolutely and it goes back to what we were saying earlier it's that practice Mm -hmm. whether it's um, asking somebody to jump on the other side of zoom um, a friend or something or even just going on Zoom yourself, checking out your camera, checking out your lighting, making sure that um, you're in a comfortable spot, just preparing for it. Uh, And those are things that you might not have considered a few years ago because you would have been in person or on the phone. Mm -hmm. So the the practice practice makes best. Absolutely. So So as an interviewer, um, what is the first thing that you look for when you're first meeting an individual? Like what is the thing that catches your eye initially? There's so many things. I mean, what what is it? It takes five seconds to form an opinion about something. Uh, But in an interview, I think definitely somebody's confidence or lack thereof comes out very quickly. And if they're prepared or not for the interview comes out very quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, I've truly have sat in interviews where somebody's like, yeah, what job am I interviewing for? And it's just like, wow. (laughs) Okay. Um, You clearly are not prepared, but then I've also been in the opposite where uh, somebody came in with the entire uh, policy and procedure manual of the the position because he worked at the company already. So he had access to it. Mm -hmm. So um, you've got to find that that balance there of making sure that you're you're using the right body language to show confidence. Um, you You want to make sure that you are prepared right away with that elevator pitch of, um, you know, tell me a little bit about yourself because almost every interview starts like that. So the the first thing I would say is I can tell right away if they're prepared and if 
if they're confident in their ability. And of course, you don't want to be too confident, but that certainly needs to needs to shine. It, need, it needs to come out because if you don't have confidence in yourself, you're not going to have confidence in your ability to do the job. Mm-hmm. I agree completely. I think that, um, I think also sometimes we downplay our skills and how transferable they are. Um, I know so many people who like refuse to apply to positions unless um, they meet like every single qualification to the T. Um, So I think that it's important to, to, you know, give yourself a shot and realize that you have a lot of transferable skills that can be utilized to meet these qualifications in unique ways um, that may not necessarily be that like you worked in healthcare for like three years, but hey, you were a caretaker for a family member who was ill. Um, So like everyone just always, I think, writes themselves off too soon, which can also lead to that lack of confidence coming in, already sort of thinking that they failed Mm -hmm. before they've even had the interview. Um, So I think you're giving yourself the benefit of the doubt and actually giving yourself the shot to, you know, impress someone is helpful. Right. And and here's the thing with interviews, um, whether you have every single qualification that the job listed or not, you've been asked to interview for a reason mm-hmm. and they can tell by your resume, your cover letter, um, probably looking at your LinkedIn profile before they even call you that in theory, you should be a good fit for the job on an existing skill level. When you come in for an interview, they're verifying that you have those skills through the stories you're going to tell, but they're also looking, is this person a cultural fit? Is this person somebody that I want to uh, chat with at the coffee maker in the morning? Uh, is this person somebody going, somebody who's going to build relationships um, throughout my entire company? Um, and keep in mind too, that it's very much a, a cultural fit for you as well um, to make sure that it's someplace that you want to be but actually, that's a funny point because so I just lost my train of thought. You're asked so many questions in interviews and, and you'll you'll find that depending on the company, they might have a standard interview practice of, you know, one main question and then like three or four follow up questions. And they might ask all of those questions at once. Mm-hmm. And it's OK to say to them, can you repeat that or confirm? Did I answer all your questions? Because it's very easy for somebody to lose their train of thought or forget what one of those questions is. That's the thing, too. Like some people ask it one at a time and other people will be like, what is your strength? What is your weakness? And, you know, how are you trying to fix all of them? And that's too much for my brain to be like, I'm like, I need to take this stepwise. Like, let's break this down for me. Um, yeah. Especially when you're nervous too. I mean, you can absolutely. The thing is, and I think it harms students is we try to start answering questions before the full question has been asked. We like our brains just like go in like overdrive and like they start saying like strength and you're already in your brain not listening to the rest of the question going, hmm, what's my strength? What am I going to say? How am I going to present this? And you're really missing out on the rest of the question. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And and for the record, I think a lot of people, whether they're giving the interview or or being interviewed, hate that question. Tell me your strength, tell me your weakness, and you know what do you do to address them? 
if, if you do get asked the weakest question, definitely turn it into a positive and show your, you know, your work ethic and tell a story. But I, I think those are slowly becoming outdated and you see a lot more behavioral interviews. And that's really what a lot of people should expect. And those behavioral interviews, people want to hear those stories. You know, you talk about the star method. Um, you know, at, at one company I worked for, we, we literally graded people on each question. Um, wow. And we, in theory, we're supposed to hire somebody based on the total score. Um, and we had to justify it to HR if we chose a person who had a lower score. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can remember interviewing at that company and the man who would become my boss was sitting there grading me. And I could see the paper and I figured it out after like maybe the second question. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I think my palms began to sweat. Yeah, <laughs> And I was like, wow, this is different. Um, so, you know, it, it goes back to the be prepared and be, and practice yeah. because without that, you're not going to have stories to tell and you don't want them to sound rehearsed, but, um, you know, you have to practice and be comfortable with those stories and have some common themes that you can bring up. Mm-hmm. Um, so one thing that I would love to hear more about is sort of um, when you're interviewing something, what are some key actions or words or phrases that um, you're looking for or you think are successful during an interview? Um, I know that, like, obviously you don't want to be throwing, like, buzzwords in where they're not relevant and, like, because it's just going to sound so rehearsed and, like, so bad. But um, what are some things that you've seen, like, strategies that uh, people have used that have proven to be very successful? Yeah, I think you can tell when somebody's being honest. Yeah. Uh, so you definitely want to have those, those honest stories to be able to tell. And I think the most impactful is going to be somebody, again, who is confident coming in there and knowing what they can offer. And I look for the transferable skills. And are they going to tell me about those skills and how they acquired them? Because to your point earlier, you you can't dismiss yourself Mm -hmm. and you're in the interview for a reason, right? So you have to go in with that confidence. And I look at the transferable skills and I ask questions, you know, to try to figure out how those transferable skills will fit the job I'm looking for. And I also think it depends on the job. You know, for example, if you're interviewing for a customer service job Mm -hmm. and I ask what motivates you and you tell me money, I'm thinking, hmm, I'm not sure that's the best fit. But if you tell me, you know what, Um, I care about people. I love to make sure people are happy. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm going to do my best to resolve any conflicts that come up and then tell me a story to verify that Mm -hmm. care of people and resolving conflicts. And then I'm going to see that, okay, this person might be a great fit for the job. So that's where really knowing the job description comes into play and that being particular being prepared, excuse me, when you walk into the interview, knowing the company and knowing their values. I mean, somebody that speaks to the values and the company's mission, you can tell they've done their work. And so those are some of the things that I look for. Mm -hmm. Um, In terms of buzzwords, I'm going to look for, are they dropping some things in that even if it's just superficial on the the website and and it jumps out to you, but if they've done investigation, you're going to know. 
Yeah. And if they've done their homework, you're, you're going to know. So did that answer your question? Yes, it did. And thank okay. you. That's, that's something that I love to use during interviews. Did that answer your question? Because I do as well. I sometimes I yeah. just don't. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, I would love to chat to, and I guess um, I have uh, particular feelings about this just because of, you know, this evolution within uh, career development, um, the idea between like rehearsed versus genuine conversation. So I'm an avid believer in genuine conversations. Um, Obviously, there needs to be a level of professionalism. You're interviewing for position. Mm -hmm. Um, but I also think that people forget that people are human. Um, and so we go in and we're all nervous and we don't realize that the person sitting like in front of us may have a dog, may have a cat, they're a person with a family, with loved ones. And we go in and we get so nervous that we just spew out this, uh, paragraph or one minute blurb that we've said in the mirror 20 million times. It sounds robotic. (laughs) Uh, I've been there. <laughs> and so, you know, I think that it kind of used to be like that. It used to be that you wanted to be very well rehearsed, that you wanted to, you know, not think about being very personable, but making sure that you're being like the best version of yourself, but almost over-prepared version of yourself. Um, so I'd love your thoughts on sort of the difference between rehearsal and genuine conversation in your perspective. Yes, yeah, so I think genuine conversation in interviewing is very difficult for the interviewer to um, to achieve sometimes. Uh, sitting on that side of the table many times, it's trying to find that connection with somebody, but also knowing dependent on your company, Hey, I might have five or six questions I have to ask by the HR rules. Mm -hmm. And uh, you might get somebody who might not have to ask those, but that's what's recommended. And so they Mm -hmm. stick to the script. And so it's really hard to break into the conversation. And so as somebody who's doing an interview, I try to make people comfortable at first I'll ask the question, do you have any questions for me before we get started? You know, do you have any questions initially about the job? And that way the conversation gets flowing a little bit more. But I think that's a, that's a little bit of a different way to interview. Um, I was actually sitting in on this week on, I think I did 16 interviews for five positions that I have on my team. Oh my and um, we had our, our questions we were supposed to ask, but my colleague and I who were interviewing didn't <laughs> ask them. We were you know, we were trying to have conversations because that's, a, we make the concerted effort to do that. Whereas another colleague was doing interviews in the next room and we happened to interview the same person. And he was like, yeah, she kept getting distracted. Well, that was because he was so focused on the five questions that he had to ask that he didn't even get to know her. Mm-hmm. Um, so when it comes to being on the other side of the table and making a conversational do your best again to exude that confidence and ask some questions yourself. You know, you don't have to ask like, Oh, how many kids do you have? Or where'd you go on vacation? Mm-hmm. You know, do something very simple when you, you start out. Um, you know, if it's a Monday, you can ask, how was your weekend? Hey, are you a football fan? Are you a baseball fan? Did you catch the Olympics? Mm-hmm. You know, asking those types of questions and putting it out there first to show them, I'd like to make this a conversation mm-hmm. will help guide it in that in that way. Yeah. And 
I, I, but I, I agree with you. It shouldn't be rehearsed. I've, I've been in interviews where people want to spew something out at the end that you can tell they've wanted to be say like all along Yeah, that just didn't fit the mold. It just didn't fit the conversation. So it's that fine balance of that preparation and practicing, but you can, you definitely are are correct. You cannot come off rehearsed and you can't just spew things that you know, you want to say, you need to be able to react in the moment and change your, um, change the way you deliver your stories that you know in order to have an impact and show them that you're the right cultural fit for the job. Yeah. I think too, um, people get, maybe this is more of a thing that happens within like graduate medical school education when you're interviewing, um, for like medical school. Um, but the interviewers you get are really focused on making sure that you're meeting their criteria, you're answering their questions. And so they may seem a little not personable, but that doesn't mean that you stop being personable. It just means that, you know, yeah. you have to remember that they're focused on something else. like they're focused on you, but they're also focused on all the things that they need to learn about you. Um, and they've probably interviewed like 200 people in the past, like two months. Um, and so one thing I try to remind myself is that, you know, if someone's, if someone's interviewing me and, you know, they seem really bored or they seem very just kind of monotone, it's probably not me. Um, I like to think that I'm a pretty like energetic person and it's just like, you, you don't know what's going through the other person's head. It doesn't mean that they don't like you. It just means that when you're recognizing all the jobs that an interviewer has, it's a lot to juggle all at once. And some of them, you know, they want to sit and have the really awesome conversation with you. But like you said, they're trying to get through what they need to get through. Um, But I would encourage students, you know, not to be discouraged by that and not to sort of like match that like monotone disinterested because that's probably not how they actually feel. Absolutely. It's it's probably not. I think people get caught up in this is what's required of me. And so this is how I have to do this. And they, they forget that they can take five minutes in the beginning to have this nice casual conversation, getting to know each other on a professional level. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a shame when people don't do that, but they, but you never know what's going on in the background. You never know if they know that 20 emails are coming through and text messages are coming or yeah. maybe their, their kid threw up at school that day and they got a call from the school and they've got to run out as soon as they finish interviewing you. Uh, so you, you don't know what, what's happening in their mind, I guess you can mm-hmm. say, uh, but a clear sign, you know, normally that you're having a successful interview is that interaction. But some people just are going to be a little bit more dry and you have to push through that and make sure that you get the points across that you want to get across within their context. Mm-hmm. I agree. And I've definitely been through interviews where um, the interaction has been kind of dry and it's me just kind of like trudging my way through. And then at the end, they're like, oh my gosh, you did great. And I'm like, wow, I thought you hated me. Thanks. <laughs> And things like that happen, you know? Yeah, and that's something. If you're worried about the personality of the person that you met with uh, and they offer you the position, there's nothing wrong with saying, you know, I'd like to come spend an hour with the folks that I would be working with. you know, or can I have a, a tour of your building? You know, I just, you know, I just want to make sure that, 
you know, I, I'm flattered, but I want to make sure that this is the right fit for me. Um, Absolutely. You know, it's a little unconventional to ask for that, especially in these COVID times. But I think when you're making a decision, as big as it is to take on a job that you're going to be at more than you'll be at home, more than you'll be, you'll be with your coworkers, more than your family. Like if you have reservations about the person you met with and they're causing reservations about the company you'd be working for, do your due diligence and make sure you're comfortable with it before you take that job. Absolutely. Um, so sort of wrap up, I'd love to ask you um, as an interviewer, maybe just um, what you've experienced over the years. What are some things that you wish that people did better during interviews? I feel like we always talk about what you should do and we don't talk enough about sort of what's very common, but what really shouldn't be done kind of situation. Um, so I'd love your insight on that. Yeah, that's a great question, Kylie. Uh, there's there's a few things that stand out. One is not answering a question completely and not confirming mm-hmm. uh, what what the question was and that you answered it completely. That confirmation, I think, is, is key, uh, especially on those behavioral questions. So uh, if you don't feel like you've answered the question completely or um, even if you're pretty sure you have, don't be afraid to ask, ask that question. Mm-hmm. Um, I think when you look at the STAR method, people forget that last piece, that results piece. Uh, They'll tell a great story and say, I worked on this project and this is how I worked on the team and we had a great time and that's how I work on teams. But it's it's not like, oh, we presented our project to the class and, you know, we all got an A on that. And that was one third of our our grade for the semester. And, you know, that helped me to achieve Dean's List. Mm -hmm. Um, So make sure to talk about those results. And if you're not sure how what the results are of a story, because I think so many people, especially um, a college student coming out of college, they're not going to have anything. I shouldn't say anything. A college student might not have the numbers to talk about. You know, if I'm interviewing for a sales position, I would want to talk about my sales. You know, what is my percentage of close rate? What is, you know, my annual sales? You know, how much I have exceeded my annual sales target? Mm-hmm. Those are those are those quantifiable results. So you have to start to think about thing results in different ways. Um, maybe it is the grade. Maybe it's that uh, you formed a better relationship with your professor, and now your professor has written a recommendation for you for graduate school. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's a result of, of your work. So there's many ways to convey that. Uh, I, I see a lot of people who miss that last step. Um, I think there, I think more students especially could probably benefit from practicing to talk about their fit with the company. And it's not just, oh, I know I'd, I'd fit in great here. I'd be a great fit for this uh, job. I know I would do really well. Okay, that's a great generic statement, but tell me why. And it goes more into that results. Um, I also think, um, again, trying to make it conversational and make it flow on your end it, so that you're not trying to regurgitate all these stories that you've, you've practiced. So I, I guess to say, to sum it up is Use your stories to show your cultural fit. Use your stories to talk about results and then ask the question at the end, did I answer all of your questions? Mm -hmm. Uh, I think those are the things that I I wish people would do better in interviews because, you know, they're they're kind of, they're close, 
but they're just not quite there sometimes yeah. when I see somebody. I would say too, um, when people ask questions about companies or schools, a lot of the time they'll ask things that are probably on their website. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wish people just did a little bit more research and asked questions. Um, I think that this is a great way to show interest too, is saying like, oh, I saw this on your website um, that you guys run like a free health clinic. When, uh, if I were to matriculate at this school, how soon do students get involved with this clinic? So speaking about something that you learn from the website shows interest and then asking further clarification saying, you know, I'm really interested in this. Do you mind telling me more about it? I think is a great way to show people that you've done your research and you would like to know yeah. more. So you're interviewing them as well. Absolutely. Um, And that's one thing we haven't really touched base on in this is we've talked about the preparation, but that preparation should also come with questions. Mm -hmm. Um, And it shouldn't, it shouldn't be just one question. Um, I recommend people come up with standard, you know, four to five questions that they always have and don't be afraid to write it down and bring it in your portfolio. Mm -hmm. uh, Because you, you know, we talked about people get nervous and that's okay. You know, sitting on the other side of the desk, we know that you're nervous. It's okay. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I think we, I would be, I would be worried if somebody wasn't a little bit nervous about a job interview and Mm -hmm. came in overly confident because what are they going to act like? How brash are they going to be on my team? Yeah. Um, but have some standard questions that you always want to ask. Um, one that I really like to ask in a first interview is what are the top three things, what are the top three qualities that you're looking for for a successful candidate for this job? And if and when you get asked to have a second interview, you have some of your answers right there. Mm-hmm. If they give you three qualities, you're going to be able to speak to them mm-hmm. and say, you know, you told me that um, time management is, is really important uh, for success in this job. And you can tell a story about how you manage your time mm-hmm. and you can talk about that. Uh, so try to ask questions that are going to give you a little bit of an edge for the next step in the interview process. Mm-hmm. I like this. I love preparing questions I think it's so important and I think it's like one of the most overlooked things Um, yes it's kind of like the afterthought of it all you get so nervous for actually going in and then they're like do you have any questions and you're like "Mm, no bye (laughs) and then you have like 20 million questions that you just didn't ask in your brain um and it's just and that's I was going to say, that's a time that you can, especially if the person was very focused on their questionnaire Mm -hmm. that they're filling out and their notes they're taking, that's an opportunity for you to change it into more of a conversation Mm -hmm. as well. I always, Um, one of the questions that I always ask, or I like to ask is, um, is there anything else you'd like to know about me that you haven't heard um, through any of my responses? Um, Because I know that there's a lot of questions and Sometimes they're looking for something particular and just the way the conversation went, it yep. didn't hit on it. Um, and it really kind of throws the responsibility a little bit back on the interviewer to think, yep. did I get all my questions answered? Do I feel like I've learned enough about the person? And so I like that as a good way for them to evaluate, you know, do I have everything I need? Um, right. And that's, that's a great question, Kylie. I, I think 
like you said, it, it confirms and throws it back on the interviewer uh, to make sure that, yeah, I, I have everything I need to know about this, this uh, student or, you know, this, this um, candidate. So, uh, Christy, do you have anything that you would like to add or any um, final tips that you would like to uh, give to the DeSale students? I feel based on our conversation, how it ended just now about being prepared with questions that I, I should have some, <laughs> some uh, wise words to share and, and leave you all with. Um, but at, at the end of the day, I think it just comes down to be yourself, be confident and know that your resume has already spoken for you. Uh, they know what what you're capable of doing and and now the the company or the school wants to know are you going to fit in with us and just go in confident and know that you belong and you know there's a lot of rejection out there and that's that's going to happen mm-hmm. and don't get discouraged um, use every opportunity to learn something and keep growing because you know, I, I talked about it in the beginning of the podcast that I found myself in a job transition for the first time in my career um, in 2019, and it's it's tough out there. Mm-hmm. But keep putting the work in because you know, keep doing your networking, keep go, you know, in, you know, expanding on your education, keep keep practicing because it's going to happen and it's really hard to get that first job out of college. I can remember being in your shoes when people would be like, well, you don't have enough experience. Well, I don't, I need a job to get experience. Right. So, um, you know, if you keep doing all the right work, it's going to, it's going to come to you, but just make sure that, that you're yourself and, and then it's the right spot's going to open up for you. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Christy, for uh, zooming in with me today and uh, instilling some words of wisdom for the sales community on interviewing. Well, thank you, Kylie. I hope uh, everybody got a couple nuggets of information and uh, wisdom. And uh, I always uh, enjoy being a part of the sales family. So thank you. Alrighty, everyone. I would love to thank Christy for taking the time to share her wealth of information with us regarding interviewing. If you guys have any topics that you would love to be discussed on Career Chat, feel free to email us at career at desales.edu. Thanks so much, guys, and stay tuned for Carla's episode in two weeks.